these are politicians too. So they are very often, when a project goes well, they're happy to tout the success of the project. They're happy to talk about innovative and new technologies, and they're happy to talk about partners that serve them well. So really it's all about making customers, making the government customers successful, and then helping put them on a pedestal so that they can tell their peers about you. Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke. Thanks for joining me. Today, we travel to the windy city of Chicago to speak to Tyler Masterson, the CEO and founder of True Role, which is an innovative Chicago-based startup which is focused on helping governments maintain accurate tax data so that property tax burdens are distributed equitably among citizens. He has more than 15 years of experience as an advisor to public sector leaders, and he has a deep understanding of government priorities and has worked with government at the city, state and national level. And it's all been focused on trying to use data and technology to address inequity through progressive solutions. Tyler is experienced in harnessing technology for equity and inclusion, building bipartisanship through data, uncovering structural inequities in government, building a company for good, and encouraging others to lead with values. He joins me on the line. Tyler Masterson, welcome to GovComs. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's very much a pleasure to be here. Uh, nice to meet you, David. So listen, tell me, you could do all sorts of interesting things. You're clearly a talented person. Why have you decided to work in the public sector? Well, to be quite honest, David, uh, the public sector kind of found found me. Um, early on in my career, I started off in the private sector. And when I switched jobs from consultancy, um, I worked at a company called Deloitte. And uh, we were doing projects for places like Home Depot and Motorola and those sort of things. And when I switched jobs, I just happened to end up in a public sector um, CRM company, which is customer relationship management. So public sector kind of found me and um, I've stuck with it ever since. And what do you like about it? Well, it kind of is like the biggest lever arm that you can have uh, in your career, in my opinion. Um, you know, when you work for private sector companies, you can affect the lives of the that particular uh, individual company and that company's customers. But when you work in the public sector, um, your impact uh, on society is as is as long as the the government's reach is, which is as a big of an organization as you can affect. And is that something that at your company there in true role, is it something that you talk about with each other about the the purpose and, and the mission that drives your organization to enhance the, the lives of, of citizens? Um, it is. Uh, so we're pretty purposeful about our core values, David. So um, as we are founding our team, we have, uh, when we had about six people on our team, so we entered the year with four and now we have about 10. And when we had about six people on our team, we decided that we needed to, to codify our core values. And 
And at the very top of that core value pyramid is uh, social equity and impact. And so that's something we're quite deliberate with as, and kind of weaving it into our culture as we grow. And what are the other values that you've got codified there at, at True Role that, that help you to, uh, to be purposeful about your work? Um, uh, you know, uh, that's a, that's a pretty good question. You're going to call me up on the spot. I have to remember, uh, as many as I can for you, David, but, uh, that, you know, the ones that, the ones that I live by the most are social equity, um, accuracy, integrity, and inclusion. There's about six of them, but those are the ones that kind of bubble up to the top of my head, David. And so, when it comes to something like inclusion, we're approaching the holiday the holidays right now here at Truro, and we made a decision, for instance, to not have any company holidays. And you know, we don't we we encourage everyone to um, participate in whatever religious or non-religious uh, celebrations that they have. But by not by setting the tone by not having any company holidays, you're kind of being inclusive by not being exclusive in any particular date. So that's an example of um, how how we have codified our values and, and we choose to live them and create policy and culture around that. Mm, okay, that's that's super interesting. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, at the team here at Content Group, we have a, quite a diverse uh, company with people, you know, from all over the world who work here. And recently we've had um, Diwali, uh, the Indian uh, celebration, and it was wonderful, actually. We, we all celebrated Diwali together uh, here in Australia and it... Uh, it's great to, I think, sometimes, you know, experience the cultures of your colleagues so as that you get to understand them a little bit better. Um, and it, and I, I just, it just makes an organisation stronger, doesn't it? Yeah, I think, like, you know, when you're, when you're starting a data company that's oriented around creating taxation accuracy, like, the, the bits and bytes of it can get, uh, you know, can kind of, be abstracted from the impact that you're trying to make. And so making sure that you're thinking about how those bits and bytes are affecting things like equity and inclusion and integrity um, is important to stay connected to the work. So listen, tell us about this work that you're doing, because as you say, um, taxation data, um, looking at property tax, it sounds like a lot of spreadsheets, it sounds like a, a lot of cleaning of data, a lot of reorganisation of data, a lot of uh, different technology solutions. How, just explain to us, if you could, just the way that you're going about trying to develop these solutions such that you are making an impact. Sure, that's a great question. So, you know, at, at our core, um, we're trying to help create an accurate tax rule. And one of my favorite customers quotes is, when everyone pays their fair share, everyone pays less. And so what does it mean to help governments identify um, who's paying their fair share and who is not paying their fair share? Well, we do that with data. And so we are trying to work to identify two core groups of people, people who are um, eligible to receive tax benefits that they are not receiving and those people who are ineligible to receive property tax benefits that they are that they are receiving and those things are based on state uh, usually state-based qualification statuses um, the three main ones David are uh, one being alive uh, two having only one primary residence and and three um, you know the property that you're getting the benefits from has to be your primary residence and so those things sound really easy to determine 
but one of our customers has 1.2 million um, parcels that they have to manage this benefit across and without without access to data and business rules to to make those determinations they're going to have a really hard time doing it with something as manual as spreadsheets and as manual as as data cleansing so we empower them with software and data to identify those two classes of people those that are paying less than they should and those that are paying more than they should so how much success are you having in identifying those two groups the those that are paying not enough and those who are paying too much um, I guess it depends how you define success. Uh, we entered the year with four customers, and now we have close to 30. Um, and, <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Yeah, and, and governments, are hard to, governments are hard to convince that what they're doing can be improved, to be quite honest. You, you might hope that they're you know, progressive risk takers, but in, in fact, they're actually usually laggards on the technology curve. And so, you know, convincing them to do their work in a, in a different progressive way is, can be challenging. So um, I think from a mindshare perspective, we're having some pretty good success. Um, you know, we entered the, uh, the year totally unknown, and now we're kind of, you know, in that, on that front end of the hype curve where people are starting to find out that there's a new way to achieve this goal. And then from an actual customer impact perspective, some of our earliest customers are, their projects are wrapping down. So, you know, something like a county, a mid-sized county in Florida, St. John's County, Florida, for instance, was one of our very first customers. And we helped them um, add $100 million in assessed value back to their tax roll. That means, you know, they're adding they're adding homes that they're adding taxable value that they can now accrue revenue against, and um, so we we help them recover over a million dollars annually in new revenue. And then on the flip side of it, we helped a couple hundred people um, uh, enroll in a taxation benefit that they weren't previously enrolled in, including classes of people. A lot of these benefits, David, are are aimed at low-income elderly individuals that you know might not be knowledgeable about the intricacies of the tax the tax code. And so, identifying those people proactively with data and enabling them to enroll in these benefits programs, um, getting a couple hundred extra people on the roll means uh, people on fixed income uh, are paying less and sometimes no property taxes at all because of the benefit. So listen, in terms then of your experience, and clearly, you know, that's wonderful growth and, you know, all of the problems that come with that, obviously, going from, uh, you know, four clients uh, to 30 clients. But what has been your experience of being able to work with government clients to be able to see the benefits of using technology and using data to solve their problems? Because as you say, uh, more likely to be closer to the laggards than early adopters. And so how is it that you've been able to convince them, other than through performance, that your methods and your approaches and your data-based approach is what they need to adopt? Yeah, man, I, I feel like you've spoken to some government uh, people before, which I know which I know you have, because those are exactly the challenges. Um, you know, first of all, you have to start with a really high, like, 
a very strong return on investment value proposition. So something like our product that generates new revenue and considerably more revenue than we charge for our services is a good way to kind of start the conversation because a lot of things die at the budgetary threshold, right? Well, if it's not budgeted, then I then why are we even having this conversation? So that's step one is to make sure that they understand that there's a, a net positive result on budgets. Step two would be, you know, really solving some solving a pain. Um, a lot of times in the U.S., um, the the state legislation is separated from the actual administra- the administration of the laws that they create. So what happens is a state will a state politician will pitch a new law on the campaign trail, and then he will get it. Uh, enacted in in the state legislature, and then it will move to the administrative offices, and they you know they call it unfunded mandates, which basically is is slang for the legislators are now asking me to do something more without any tools or support to do it. And so when you know these property tax benefits programs are often like in that category, they're very difficult and nuanced qualification criteria like. How old are you? How much income do you make? Where do you live? Where do you spend most of your time? Where are your vehicles registered? Where do you vote? Those types of things are part of the qualification criteria, but then the government administrators themselves have no access to that information or tools that compile it for them. So really, the second answer to your question, David, is is solving a difficult pain that they're that they're in. So a uh, strong value proposition and a uh, you know a a pain a, pain, a solution to a significant pain. Do you find that the the problems that you're solving or the pains that you're solving are common? Yeah, they're really common. I mean, almost anyone that has to administer this this type of particular program uh, is is experiencing pain. I mean, think about the qualification criteria that I went through, which is you have to be alive. The property you're getting the benefit at has to be the only one you're getting that benefit at, and it has to be your primary residence. Though those things on a property tax roll are completely dynamic, like dynamic statuses. People are alive one day and they pass the next. People are married one day and they're divorced the next. People are single homeowners one day and then they buy a home the next day. And so those things are just problems that will never go away. That are just uh, inherent to the to the subject matter that we're talking about. So, yeah, and it's interesting that you raise this because I think the you talk about the dynamism of the environment that you know the public sector environment, and you just described it very nicely there in terms of you know day to day. These data sets are moving around. Uh, you know, people are being born. People, as you say, they're dying. They're getting married. They're buying houses. There's all sorts of things that are going on. So. How are you going about, um, again, maturing the government mindset and skill set around data such that it's able to uh, draw the value from the data that is there that perhaps they weren't able to uh, draw previously when those data sets were uh, managed more manually? Yeah. um, So I think the first first orientation... Uh, the first reorientation is right now the way it's set up is um, if they find, if a government finds that you've been out of compliance of some of their criteria for multiple years in arrears, they will, um, they will once they identify you, usually through the purchasing of services from a vendor like, like TrueRoll, 
um, they will fine you for those back years, all the back taxes, oftentimes plus penalties, oftentimes plus interest, which means that you have a very penalistic way of approaching this problem. And so um, a penalistic and reactive way to approach the problem, to be honest. And so reorienting the government and, and, and saying that there's been a shift in the way that data is accessible and usable such that we can move you from a penalistic reactive approach to a, to a proactive sympathetic approach such that when we identify changes in the tax rule, we will notify you, Mr. and Mrs. Government, proactively so you can proactively communicate with your citizens so they don't end up in a situation where they've lost some family members and then three years later down the road they find out that they owe the government three years in back taxes plus penalty. So it's really kind of a combination of you know, helping them understand how using data effectively can help them be better servants to their citizens, and then helping them understand how data can help them achieve that goal. And how do you do that? How, how do you run those ed- educative processes such that people can understand? Is it through uh, workshops? Is it through presentations? How is it that you are uh, building the, the ca- capacity and capability of people who work in government to, uh, to take advantage of the, of the software of companies such as TrueRoll and that ability to mine the data effectively to get the insights and the value that they're looking for? Well, I mean, tactically, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel. Um, You know, government, like selling to government is very much like a relationship and referral-based game. Um, It's, you know, you have to sign a couple customers and do them and do their work very well for them. And then they will be, they will be fans of yours and they will be referenceable and they will um, go up on stage at conferences and talk and they'd be happy to talk. These are politicians too. So they are very often when a project goes well, they're happy to tout the success of the project. They're happy to talk about innovative and new technologies and they're happy to talk about partners that serve them well. So Really, it's all about making customers, making the government customers successful and then helping put them on a pedestal so that they can tell their peers peers about you. Technically, there's no real magic to it. There's no special, you know, we do all the, all the same things. We, we, you know, we give webinars that qualify for continued education credits. We go to conferences. We meet people. I just got out of a three-week road trip to Florida where I went uh, with a coworker of mine and we visited 30 different property appraisers offices across 3,000 driving miles uh, over three weeks and we also did two conferences. So it's a lot of times it's just like uh, elbow grease and relationship building. So from a tactics perspective, that's the way to do it. But then from like a connection, a mental emotional connection perspective, you know, you're really just appealing to the human and other people. Everyone understands why it's better to go from reactive penalistic to proactive sympathetic. Like that's, that's pretty easy. Any empathetic human is going to understand why that's the right approach. It's just getting in front of them in a trustable way that allows that, that message to come across. So what are your, your thoughts, perhaps looking into the future? What are the biggest challenges over the next couple of years to uh, that are going to get into the, in the way of of maturing uh, this acceptance of this new data driven um, approach to uh, government decision making. Well, I think the biggest challenge is you know 
governments are extremely resource constrained. Like they're, the new service delivery model for governments is through private public sector partnerships. And so, you know, as government's staffing gets and budget gets smaller and smaller, um, you know, being able to empower them with less and less resource intensive tools. So I'll give you a perfect example. Some of our customers, David, they'll buy our software and they will understand the value proposition and they'll understand all the new revenue that we can drive for them and new enrollments that we can help them attain, but they don't have the time to log into the software and do the work. And so, you know, we've we've created a full service offering where we're, we will do the work for our governments and provide them the the human uh, oriented recommendations. But I think we're even going to move away from that. So the, the next stage really is artificially intelligence powered um, uh, service delivery. So, you know, everything that we do at TrueRoll is powered by data and thus can be modeled using artificial intelligence. And then based on all of the feedback that we're getting from all of our customers, we can provide really strong accuracy models to our customers and then they can act on data using artificial intelligence rather than expending resources to achieve their goals. How, how far away do you, do you think is uh, that meaningful application of artificial intelligence in, in managing the data that you're looking at? Well, I think uh, all government uh, organizations are on a spectrum. And at the very front end of the spectrum, at least in the U.S., you've got progressive cities and states like San Francisco and Boston and Austin and, and you know, these types of you know, very progressive government organizations. And then you have people that will wait until, you know, wait until the water is safe after those governments have proven the model and then they will adopt it. So I think what's happening, it's happening now. Those progressive customers are adopting an artificial intelligence approach to service delivery. And then once their, their peers who have respected them as documented progressives, um, once they see the results and they see that it's accepted by their citizenry, they will be the, the next adopters of the technology. Mm. So for True Role, what's the, what's the next challenge? What's the next big opportunity? Obviously, managing growth is, is one of them, going from four customers to, to 30 customers. What's, what's ahead for you? Um, I think we actually, we want to, we want to double down on focus. I think I've seen in a lot of my previous organizations that di- diluting your focus from one core use case to multiple use cases is, is you know, a really attractive from a, a revenue and growth perspective, but it, it, you lose the mission and you lose the efficacy of your services. So I think True Role is really doubling down on these property tax benefits programs and, um, you know, trying to help our customers own the entire life cycle through automation. So we just want to get to a place where through artificial intelligence and data, we can help our governments deliver this service at an extremely low cost and high, high level of accuracy. And that's going to take a couple more years. And as this starts to come, what advice do you have to people working in government to so they can be prepared and ready um, to be able to take advantage of software such as TrueRoll so it can help them to be more effective in, in the jobs that they have? Well, um, I got a piece of advice early on in my career that um, when I was trying to understand what artificial intelligence was and, and what software, you know, artificial intelligence is going to, you know, quote unquote, eat the world, meaning it's going to continue to eat 
more and more processes and more and more jobs. Um, and understanding that all artificial intelligence is based off of data um, means that, you know, skill up on understanding the importance of data and, and building your data-oriented skills and understanding, I think would be my, um, my advice to almost anyone in, in technology at all. Um, I think everything is going to be built on top of the foundation of data. And so understanding as much as you can about that core concept will, will benefit, serve you well in your career. And sorry, just one final question, because I'm always intrigued by this, that, you know, there are obviously lots of software products that are competing to be uh, inserted and used in the government enterprise. How do you go about solving that problem that you are but one software uh, piece amongst, you know, a wide variety of whether it's CRM, whether it's, you know, email, whether it's... Uh, just normal word processing. There's all sorts of software that sit as part of a of a government department or agency stack. How do you how do you go about finding your place and making sure that you are useful in that environment? Um, I think uh, my co-founder and I early on decided to like take a very narrow use case niche um, and and explore it to its its absolute depths rather than uh, a wide, a more wide strategy. You discussed case management, you mentioned CRM, you mentioned uh, enterprise resource planning. Um, you know, those types of software are very wide, but we have a very specific and very uh, nuanced subject matter that we know very deeply. And any governments charged with um, delivering that service need somebody, need a partner with that level of depth and expertise that doesn't come with a Microsoft or a Salesforce or an Oracle. There's nobody in those organizations that knows the subject matter. So being a valuable partner is being a partner that can advise small and large customers to a heavily, like a very a depth of nuance. Yeah, I think there's two, you know, two, two key points I think you raised there. One is that sense of partnership um, where you're in, you know, you're in it with the with the government department, and they build that confidence and trust that they know that you're going to be there helping them. And then finally, that that other point, that that narrow niche, that subject matter expertise, where you can speak with authority uh, and be able to demonstrate, as you clearly are at the moment, that you are the subject matter experts when it comes to uh, equitably uh, managing property tax um, among citizens. So. Congratulations on all your success, Tyler, and thank you so much for spending a little time with us today. Thank you so much, David, and uh, I appreciate you and your podcast, so thank you. Keep it up. Thanks very much. Uh, a big thanks there to Tyler Masterson, uh, a founder, a co-founder of a startup, and just before we were talking, uh, before we got the tape rolling today, we are having a bit of a laugh about, you know, what life is like as a co-founder. And it's great to see, you know, young entrepreneurs like Tyler, who could be doing, he could be doing anything, could be doing, solving all sorts of problems. But the problem he and his co-founder have decided to solve is this one around equity uh, and inclusion and impact around um, uh, property taxes. And what an important thing. And as he mentioned there before, you know, some people getting benefits that they hadn't previously been getting and some people paying the taxes that they should have been paying that they haven't in the past. So a big thanks for him today. Now, listen, before I go today, just a little bit of news. We have soft launched 
the GovComs Institute website. So the quick backstory was that we have uh, the GovComs, uh, GovComs Festival happened last year. Off the back of that, we launched the GovComs Institute and we've been starting to publish content and from the festival and we're now getting all of that up onto the Institute, but we're also getting new content up there. We're curating content from other sources and there's all sorts of interesting things for government communicators there to help and lots more to come on the GovComs Institute site as well. So check it out. It's the uh, www.govcomsinstitute.org. Um, so please jump on over to that and have a bit of a look around. Um, sign up to the newsletters. Let us know what you want us to uh, to do for you uh, on that site. It is a platform, so we are looking for everyone to contribute. Uh, and so be in touch if that is something that you would like to do. So once again, big thanks to Tyler Masterson for coming on today. And a big thanks to you, the audience, for coming back once again. We'll be back at the same time in two weeks. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.